0: Hey everybody, it's Jerry here. Welcome to The Asian Americans. I really appreciate you tuning in. Today we're gonna have a conversation with Bonnie Tang, co-director of the New York City Asian American Student Conference, where I am honored to speak, uh, to kick things off, and you'll hear from amazing speakers. And today I wanna share with you another Asian American owned business that is going to help a lot of people through the COVID-19 pandemic. And from the makers of Asian Flush comes a new game called Stay the F Inside. Except F is fully spelled out in the name. So check them out at staythefinside.com. 100% of their profits are going to Meals on Wheels uh, to make sure that isolated elderly who are being um, overwhelmingly impacted by the stay at a home orders and the pandemic can get food delivered to them directly. A big shout out to our guest from episode number eight, John Lim, uh, for creating the game and for donating all the profits to charity. So uh, check them out. Uh, staythefinside.com. Fun drinking game you can play digitally. To pay what you can, model. So just for a few dollars, you can download and play a game with your friends um, across town or across the world. And we want to thank John for being a big fan and a supporter of the show as well. And here now is my conversation with Bonnie. Welcome, everybody, to the Age of Americans. I am your host Jerry Wan, and today I have a very, very fun guest, um, an exciting guest. Uh, but she is one of the directors of the New York City Asian American Student Conference, something that Dear Asian Americans is so excited to support. It's going down this Saturday. Uh, so hopefully you're listening to this before, Saturday, April 25th. But if you are listening to this after, um, go look up the videos, and maybe you'll hear me or any of our other guests uh, come and speak. High school and college are very fun times for all of us. and I think it, when it comes to the foundation or the Journey of finding our identities, it sucks being a student because it's in your teenage years. You're trying to figure out who to be, who do you not want to be, what to study, where to go to school, so many things. And then to throw in the extra challenges and extra struggles of our Asian and dual identities that some of our friends don't have to deal with, um, it makes for a very tumultuous time. And it is a challenging time for so many of us, um, just given on that and
1: um,
0: the expectations of career and academic success. And so the fact that Bonnie and her team um, have decided to spend time to create a space where fellow Asian American students from the New York City area can come together, share ideas, and to celebrate what makes us awesome is something that I am so proud to support. And so would love to welcome Bonnie Tang to the show. Hi, Bonnie.
2: Hey, Jerry. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. How is life right now?
2: Um, Live pretty much just trying to hand in assignments from China right now during this pandemic. It it's really tough just working at home, um, not being able to go outside, and interact with my classmates, or see my professors, be in class. And I'm kind of actually missing class right now. I'm actually a commuter to Stony Brook, and mm. it takes two and a half hours to get there. But for me to miss a five-hour round trip commute, it it tells a lot. That's the kind of situation.
0: Well, that's a wow. That that's a big drive. Um, yeah. Familiar with that drive, so that, that is a big commitment on your end uh, to make school a priority and and to, uh, to do what you do. Share with us more about Bonnie in your earlier years. Um, how did Bonnie's family move to America? Um, where did you spend your earlier years growing up, and what kind of neighborhood was that?
2: So my family came here from Cambodia as refugees. And originally they were in the Bronx, and they ended up moving to Brooklyn. But I was and I was born in Manhattan, but grew up in Brooklyn. Also, So that was interesting to find out. But yeah, I grew up in a predominantly Italian neighborhood. So in the elementary school, I didn't see that many people that looked like me. Like some of the people that did ended up coming into my life later on as the neighborhood changed in terms of like ethnicities.
0: I think most people don't realize this about New York City because we hear about it all the time from the perspective that it is the melting pot of America, that it is one of the most diverse cities. And and while it may be factually true, um, it is also true, uh, maybe it's different now, but traditionally it's been also a very segregated city and very separated by neighborhoods where um, people of certain races or in cities lived, or even different religions lived in certain parts of town. And, and so, um, if you're from New York city, you know, if I say Astoria, uh, you think of somebody that lives there. If I tell you flushing, it, you know, it creates a different mental image. And, and so I, I think that experience of you growing up in Brooklyn, where it's very diverse, um, yeah. particularly King County is probably one of the most diverse counties in the country. And, um, a lot of of Asian representation there. Um, so what type of high school did you go to? And, and did that diversity of in a predominantly Italian American neighborhood change as you were growing up?
2: For sure. Uh, it definitely changed in terms of like as the cities, I'm still in it right now, but it's, it's shifting to more of a Chinese American community. So it's like you see a shift and you see the increase in racism in the, in the neighborhood. And in the high school I went to, it was about five miles away. It was a different part of Brooklyn, but it was still predominantly white. And it was a, a high school that focuses on the sciences. So I, te- I got to explore um, the sciences for my family because I felt pressured to, I guess, like, it was really be in love with, this, with the sciences because I'm Asian.
0: You shared with us uh, that your parents were refugees from Cambodia. Um, did, were they able to complete their academic pursuits when they came stateside?
2: I'm the first in my family to go to college. So my parents didn't, um, graduate college, didn't, high, didn't even finish high school.
0: And, and because of that, what kind of pressures did you feel, um, not only to pursue college and higher education, but was there any pressure to study anything in particular?
2: Initially, I was kind of pressured to be pushed into like the sciences, like bio, chem, physics, or computer science. As also as an only child, like it, I feel like it's it was like my obligation growing up to like be successful for my parents. But as life moved on and I learned about activism, I learned about Asian American identities. I felt more passionate about those things and like learning more about myself first and before I actually put effort into helping other people.
0: When you went from high school to college what did you want to study and did that change during your time there?
2: Well in high school I think like freshman and sophomore year I thought maybe I wanted to be in like an anthropologist or like a, a doctor in general and and then it hit junior year where I was like, I was in an AP U.S. history class. And it was the first time that I saw in a textbook that I mentioned, oh, Chinese Americans exist in our history. I did not know that. And so I saw like a real documentary in class and that made me question. So where, where is everyone else with rest of Asian american Americana, you know what I mean? So from there on, I tried, I, I Googled. N- NISA, the New York City Asian Center Conference, by just typing in like New York City Asians. That's, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even complete the whole thing thought because I didn't know what it was called or like if there was one, yeah. and that's how I found it out.
0: That's awesome. I mean, um, some of the listeners may know, some of them may not. Um, I went to high school in New York City, and um, from in the, in the late nineties, we didn't have that, and I wish we did. I'm definitely not saying that there was no Asian American programming or there was no Asian American um, student things. Um, But what you guys are doing, I, I think, is is something that I desperately wish I had. And I think that could have been so helpful, not just to me, but for so many of my friends to hear from people that look like me, went to the schools that I did and to just know that what I'm feeling and what I'm going through is completely normal as an immigrant kid living in a society and family full of high traditional expectations and all all that struggle. Share with me a little bit more about your activism. What did that help you to do? What kind of extracurriculars or club things do you invest your time in at Stony Brook and back at home in Brooklyn um, that help you feel good about the way you're spending your energy and your gifts and your privilege now to help other people?
2: This also happened starting junior year of high school. I think it was May twenty sixteen. I started this hashtag called uh, starring content school, which photoshopped Content's Blue's face on different Hollywood posters. And after that, that that surprised me because I wasn't wasn't sure how people would respond to it. So I just did it out of the blue. I was on Twitter one night, I was bored, I was finished I finished with my assignments. I was just went out of my life. So I just Posted a, a few pictures and then it started getting a, a notice about two or three weeks later, which also surprised me because I think it was like in one of my classes, maybe physics, but I just saw an email about, um, about this hashtag, so I was confused for sure.
0: Who was that email from?
2: It was from um, a journalist at NBC.
0: And what did they want to know about it?
2: They wanted um you know the backstory behind it.
0: That's so cool. And and what what was that like? You're um 2016, so you're a freshman, uh, or a senior.
2: I was I think beginning my senior year of high school. Yeah, beginning of senior high school.
0: Okay, so there there you are, uh, a senior in high school. Um, yeah. You do this just because, obviously, it's something that you want to see right we want to see faces that look like yours and mine and obviously there was a big starring john cho movement and you know uh, we've seen a lot of these um similar movements how did you take that news and did you end up doing the interview with with the news channel
2: i did i did um i gave a couple of quotes also and that that just made me realize it this does matter people do care about it so I took that, and then I learned more about other Asian American nonprofits and organizations, not just in New York City, but like across the country and the work they've done. So mm-hmm. not so for me. It went, I went from exploring my Asian American identity to exploring my Southeast Asian side, to exploring that even deeper, to my like Cambodia, and also I'm also part Chinese, and that Chinese part is called um But I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, Definitely not like a mainstream language most people know about. So I, so over the years, I explored different layers of myself.
0: What are some of the steps that you took to find out and connect with that community? As you mentioned, it's not a very uh, prominent or large, you know, as as large as some of the other Asian American groups here in the Mm -hmm. states.
2: So for me, I after learning more about just like general like Asian American history, I got curious and. Just Google these random things. And one of them being just Cambodian refugees. And then that's that's how I found out different nonprofits that exist across the country. There's only one in New York that helps the Cambodian community, and that's called Mekong, and it's based in the Bronx. So a lot of the refugees, Cambodian refugees, that were moved to New York, they started out from the Bronx. So uh-huh. there's a small community that's still there. Most of them moved out to other communities like Long Beach and Lowell, where there's bigger Cambodian communities.
0: You might be one of the very few people. um, I know they let you write opinion pieces on this website, but you wrote an opinion piece on MTV.com.
2: Yes.
0: About starring Constance Wu. Um, How did that happen? And what were some of the reactions from your family and friends?
2: I think I just pitched an idea to an editor. So you you reached out. I believe so, yes. (laughs) It's a while ago. Yeah. And then I pitched the idea. I wrote a draft. I pitched the idea first, and then they liked it. And then I wrote a draft. And then they um, they sent it to the editor, and then that ended up being published.
0: Well, congratulations. Thank you for doing that. As as so many things go, not that it has to go viral per se, but any time, I genuinely believe, somebody that looks like me and you, somebody who has a similar sounding name or definitely comes from the same place in the world, anytime we exercise our right to share our story publicly Mm -hmm. in a large forum, whether it's a podcast, a conference, or a website, the impact that you create and the inspiration that comes from that is something that is, um, you can't ever quantify that because you don't know who's reading it and you don't know the impact that it has on the back end Um, So first of all, thank you for doing that. I think it's a tremendous, um, it's awesome, Uh, just really awesome. Um, You got involved in NISAC, or the New York City student, uh, Asian American Student Conference, uh, even back then as a high school student. Um, And this year, um, I guess sort of as your finale, you are the co-director. Tell me about that experience. What, What other sort of roles did you play in the organization and how was the atmosphere and, and share with us some cool stories about Axe recent history.
2: So it's my fifth year in Axe, So I'm officially retiring after this one. <laughs> Old now. Um, but when I first joined, I was on the events committee, which mainly handles performers and, and food contracts. And then the second year, second and third year, I was uh, chair of the events, co-chair of the events committee. And then last year, I was a co chair of the PR committee. And then this year, I, yeah, I'm currently a co director. But year after year, the conference, it's all, it's always different, although the structure is the same. Because most of the time, people graduate and you have induct new members in part of the committees. And then the themes always change every year based on what's happened previous year in terms of like, um, let's say, like this, these past two years have mainly been focused on just media, but this year is mainly about amplifying marginalized voices because we've been seeing a growth in Asian representation in various outlets of media. But it's like, which voices are we being heard?
0: It's one of the unique conferences anywhere that I've seen. Uh, not only is it student run, but it is a joint project, if you will, from both high school and college students. Um, when we think about student conferences or when we hear about different endeavors, it's usually binary. It's usually geared towards high school students organized by adults mm-hmm. or a you know, for students by students from a college perspective. Um, share with us a little bit on the history of NISAC and, and why is it important and, and how is it structured so that both high school and college students get to not only attend but play a critical role in the organization of it.
2: So in New York City, one out of every four students is, comes from a family that's in poverty. And act, we want to make sure that we create an accessible space for everyone. So we, on our part, we make sure to fundraise all the um, fundraise enough to cover all the fees for attendees. Uh, we want to make sure that, especially high school students, like A lot of us growing up, we're just trying to find ourselves and find our identities and learn more about ourselves. And unfortunately, we don't have ethics studies in our schools. If that happened or that even worked out, then people would get to learn more about ourselves, but also like other people in general and everyone around us. But a lot of us often don't even talk about identities in school at all. It's not even addressed. So with high students, like a lot of them, it's more just inspiring them to you know be with be feel awesome at being Asian Asian American, and by creating an inclusive space for both high school and college students, you get to create like a potential like mentorship between the two. There's a lot, a lot of times college students some sometimes a lot of times they don't even know about themselves either in terms of like being Asian American because. If they're not exposed to a space like this, they're not likely to go out and seek the information because sometimes there's other things going on.
0: You talked about accessibility, which this year, because of all that's going on, um, the conference had to shift a little bit. So right now the conference is a virtual conference and really open to anybody across the world who wants to come on and and join Um, us virtually on Saturday take us through the conversations and the decision-making process between you and your team when you realize that you could no longer have an in-person conference in New York city as you had in years past.
2: We you're trying to figure out how to handle this by just looking at what other people could be doing with like their event in terms of like our classes all being on zoom, most of us we're trying to real- take advantage of this um option to have it online yeah. because if we cancel the whole thing then we would break a tradition and then a lot right. of us were already working hard on it so because yeah. we started planning process around in uh january so we were already about two months in and yeah. then we just got an email saying oh the building's closed <laughs> or the coronavirus will <laughs> happen so the whole campus is going to be closed So we didn't want to waste all of our work.
0: I think that was a wise choice. Let's talk about some of the speakers who've been at the conference in the years past. Um, Who's been your most memorable one and what was it about what they share that makes them so memorable to you?
2: I think for me, it was probably Ronnie Chang from The Daily Show and Crazy Rich Asians. He spoke about he did in QA and A, and he spoke about uh, representation in the media.
0: When did he talk? Was it pre or post Crazy Rich Asians?
2: Um, I think it was like a few months before the movie was released, so it's like in the midst of it. Yeah,
0: he he knew that the movie was going to be great, and he, he you know he had filmed it years before, so that's cool. I he he's one of the guys in the community that all does the right thing and um, I think does a lot with the platform that he knows that he is uh, lucky to have. Let's talk about the conference coming up this Saturday. Who's coming to speak and what are you excited for?
2: Well, um, you're coming to speak as the first keynote. And then Angel Yao from this group called Asian Pop. I don't know if you're familiar with it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So she's from Asian Pop. She's a great comedian. She's a great actress. She's also someone that I look up to. Asian pop performed in 2018, I believe the same year that Brownie was there at NYSAC. So another NYSAC one. Very cool. Um, and then we have breakout sessions as well as workshops and a few of your future guests or past guests are, are, you know, doing awesome things for us. So.
0: And many of these guests that you're having on, I guess, including myself, um, We are from New York City, or at least have attended school in New York City. And I think that is extra cool because representation without context doesn't mean as much with that particular context of, hey, we went to the same schools that you did. Um, We may have not grown up in the Mm -hmm. same exact neighborhoods together, but we know what it means to take the train. For hours to get to school. Mm -hmm. We understand what it means to navigate the big city that New York is as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, We understand some of the challenges. Um, And to be fair, I got to New York right before high school, so I didn't grow up as a child in New York City. So all this was very new and foreign to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Before that, I was in a suburb of LA, so I was in the car all the time being driven. Um, Mm -hmm. So It was a big eye-opening experience for me,
1: um,
0: much more so than what most people think of college as, is where they sort of grew up and and found themselves and and, uh, matured and whatnot. Um, For me, uh, the high school years, and I was at Bronx Science for three years, that was really, really cool for me in that way. So um, it means a lot, uh, I guess, just even virtually uh, to go back to New York City, Mm-hmm. and to um share just a few words that i think um could help the students uh, have a good rest of the conference um yeah if people are catching this episode before saturday and they don't have plans for saturday and most of us don't have plans for saturday mm-hmm. at least you can't go anywhere so yeah. um why should they spend a few hours with us at NISAC this saturday
2: But we have an awesome schedule plan. We're not just not just having speakers, but we're also having interactive activities, different Q and A's with cool people. Um, Might as well network and socialize while you have the chance, because can't really go out. You could socialize (laughs) online, so we have social. We're socializing with social distance.
0: (laughs) Socializing with social distancing—that is awesome. Um, And if you're not a student, uh, but you're in your early professional career. Uh, we invite you to join as well. Um, if you have people in your network, if you're a parent of a high school or a college student, send them to the website. Um, ask them to check it out. Learn a little bit more about the show, or learn about the the conference. Um, and even if you can just join us for an hour or so, um, join. You know, um, I don't know how many people, you know, are saying, "Well, I don't have, I can't be there for the whole five hours." That's okay. Come for what you can. Uh, The the students are going to be announcing the rest of the speaker roster uh, in the coming days. I was lucky enough to uh, nominate some great, great friends who've done some really amazing things with their lives. Uh, Many of them from New York City who are going to be sharing their stories as well as advice, perspective, lessons that they've learned along the way. Whatever walk of life you're in right now, um, as Bonnie mentioned and then shared with us at the top of the show, um, these are extremely challenging times for students. I think we often look at the student population and as, as very resilient and also very nimble and also very adaptive. Um, you know, what do they have to worry about? They're just staying at home and being asked to study. That can't be that hard. But if you remember back to when you were in high school or when you were in college, it was the best time for exploration. It was the best time for socializing. How many countless days and hours do we spend at a coffee shop or a boba shop or just at a restaurant just getting to know each other and and really ourselves with our friends, meeting new ones, um, going to parties and events in college. And right now that opportunity is being taken away and it's for a really good reason. We're trying to keep people safe but it still does not take away from the fact that it is an extremely challenging time for students. One can only Zoom so much. One can only Netflix so much. Uh, And for many of us, whether in New York or LA, we've gone past that month mark. So a very challenging time to sit still and not be able to go outside as as freely as we'd like. Bonnie, share with us something that, um, based on your conversations with you and your friends um, the last month or so, in organizing this conference and, and other friends um, from back home and, and from college, what are some things that we, the not-student population, can be more aware of and try to be helpful with um, with the students during these challenging times?
2: I guess one thing would, could be just not – because we're all – some of us, because some people – I know some people might have part-time jobs, though, like online and they're still balancing schoolwork. So it's it's more like we're not, it's not work from home anymore. It's like more like trying to work from home under a pandemic. So we all have to be understanding of one another. If let's say, um, if someone couldn't perform the same, um, if someone couldn't give the same performance as they did pre-pandemic, then it's fine because right now it's kind of, it's a stressful time. I know for me, I've been at home for 38 days and counting. <laughs> so I I haven't, I mean, I've seen the sun from the window, but I haven't like stepped outside. So yeah. And my birthday's coming up next month.
0: Me too. Uh, me too. It's a bit of a challenge trying to figure out how, how we're going to celebrate that. Um, yeah, I mean, We have to take this opportunity to really exercise empathy. And even though it might not make sense in our head, we have to do our best to be kind to each other Um, in the context of a student's life. Maybe getting an A in that class was, used to be the most important thing in the world for that person. But in a global pandemic that none of us have any real control over, maybe realize that that's not the end of the world and that we're all going through something. Um, There's not very many people that are living an uninterrupted life. The people that are still going to work are going to work probably against their will or it's not ideal. Nobody wants to go out there and put their health at risk for their family. Uh, But some are doing it because they have to. Some are doing it because they want to. But it's not, nobody's leading a normal life right now. So, um, and if you got students at home, uh, you know, just, I I don't know, ask them. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, And if you have students in your life, whether they be high school or college, friend, cousin, nephew, niece, um, check in on them. Make sure they're doing okay. Um, a, A single conversation or just checking in with them or just taking their mind off of whatever might be stressful for them. Might really, really be a good benefit for them, um, and in ways that we don't know. Bonnie, thanks for coming on the show. I'm really excited for this Saturday. It's weird because I've connected with some of the other speakers already, and mm-hmm. um, I- ideally in a conference you you know meet them and hang out with them before, or after, and you know there's there's a certain high and an energy that the crowd gives you, and you know you're sort of on this adrenaline rush, yeah. and so uh, it'll be fun. It'll be different, but it'll be fun nonetheless. Um, to speak to what I hope is an amazing, large group of students Mm -hmm. uh, to help the conference uh, be as successful as we can.
1: Uh, But
0: you know what? Even if it's just one person that signs on, I hope that we get to have some fun conversations. I hope that uh, it is all worth it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Because for me especially and some of my peers, uh, we didn't have as many people to hear from that we're doing cool, different things. Um, You mentioned in your MTV article that our parents want us to take the safe jobs. And I grew up at a time when most of my older brothers and sisters all very much took the safer road. And so we didn't get to hear the cool stories of, I left corporate America to do this, or I was a lawyer and then ended up doing this. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to Saturday. We end the show, every show, going back to the name of the show, which is Dear Asian Americans. And it is a letter to the community, from the community members and our guests, and really for everybody who's listening to share stories and to share some perspectives or anything you'd like to share um, to the Asian American community. So Bonnie, if you could please help us finish out the show and finish the letter, Dear Asian Americans.
2: Dear Asian Americans. If you aspire to be someone or pursue a career that isn't stereotypical or typically safe, it's okay. You could think about it. You could explore it. Anything is possible nowadays. You might not have representation in all the fields or like everywhere in society, but you could be that change. You can make the difference. You could follow that path.
0: And if you don't know what that looks like, come here from some of us who are still on that path. I am a 36-year-old dad of two who always admits that I have no idea what I still want to do when I grow up. I don't know if very many other of my friends who are in my life stage Mm -hmm. will admit that in public, but I found out that more than anything that I've ever shared about my life or my journeys or my lessons, that bit, just sharing my honest truth that I still don't know what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. has been the most empowering thing that other people have told me that I've shared with them, which is crazy because we have been raised and continue to be brought up in the world where you should know everything. People yeah. act like they have everything figured out. And the people who scream the loudest, saying that they have everything figured out are the ones who reap most of the traditional rewards and get put on pedestals. But mm-hmm. I'm here to share with you. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still figuring it out. Sharing Asian American stories via this podcast is something that makes sense for me today. It's something that I really enjoy doing. I don't know where all this is gonna go. I'm just doing something that I wish I had when I was in your shoes, coming out of high school and coming out of college. Um, And who knows how my life would have been slightly different had we had some of these stories in our ears and in our faces. So Bonnie, thank you so much. The Sat team, I've gotten to know you guys through the last couple of weeks. Really, really amazing, dedicated, talented group of people. You've been with the organization for five years. You continue to do great work. Um, you've shared with me that post-graduation, you want to do PR work in helping organizations that do good in the community. So thank you for making that dedication and that commitment to uh, making sure that people that are our parents, our grandparents, and our children, and ultimately us, can thrive in communities, feeling safe and healthy and well. So, you're awesome. Keep being awesome, Bonnie. Thank you. I will see you on Saturday, but I will also see you in person uh, when we get a chance. And I look forward to learning from you and celebrating all the great work that you've done with the New York City Asian American Student Conference. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bonnie. Um, it's always so great talking to students and do what we can. And we. Definitely know what it felt like to be in their shoes. And regardless of where you are in life, always take a moment to help somebody out. Don't just send the elevator back down, but go take the elevator back down. Mentor somebody, help them come up however far they want to go, and make sure that you can be there to help them along their journey. If you haven't signed up yet, do sign up for the New York City Asian American Student Conference at nycaasc.com. And I hope to see you there on Saturday. Follow us and like us on Instagram and on Facebook at The Asian Americans. And you can also find links there to apply to be on the show yourself. Thanks again. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. This has been your host, Jerry Wan.